0: Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel in Hookshead. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to, so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. If you're being encouraged or challenged by this teaching, would you consider giving us a five-star review? That review and rating moves us up the list so others might find us more easily so they too can benefit from this podcast. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. We're going to get into Blessed Are They. That mourn. Blessed are they that mourn. So, if you have your Bibles, your Bible app, Um, if you're on emmanuelhooksit.onlinechurch, I think is what it is, uh, you can find the notes and follow along. We're beginning in Matthew chapter number five, verse number one. This is a discourse that Jesus made. It's quite possibly his most famous sermon, his most famous discourse. It spans a number of chapters. And it's essentially what we will discover and and have talked about last week, kingdom law. It's kingdom law. And so let's begin reading. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We're talking about blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. And this, this, uh, this is of particular importance, as I said earlier, for those who believe, those who are a part of the kingdom of heaven, those who are a part of the kingdom of God, those who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation. In other words, you came to a place where you recognized that before a holy God, that there was sin in your life, and that no matter how much good you did, it would not outweigh the bad. You needed help outside of yourself. And you heard the good news of Jesus. It's the gospel, how that he came to earth and lived a sinless life. How he went to the cross as a perfect sacrifice for your sin and mine. It's called vicarious death, a substitutionary sacrifice. He took the penalty that you and I deserve. You came to recognize that Jesus took the penalty for our sin, that he was buried, and a third day he rose from the grave so that all who will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the penalty of their sin. Saved into the family of God. Born again and made a citizen of a heavenly country. That's how the Apostle Paul describes it. It's a big deal, and it's awesome. And if you are part of the kingdom of heaven, a part of the kingdom of God, a child of God, because you've trusted in Jesus, this is good news for you. This is kingdom law. This is kingdom rule. This is how those of us who are believers should be living in this present age. Now, the only way we can live this way is if we are filled with the person of the Holy Spirit, if we're relying on the Holy Spirit to empower us to follow these laws and these principles. Blessed are those who mourn. The word blessed, of course, it actually means happy, joyful, favored. And um, it's kind of a paradoxical statement, isn't it? To be favored and joyful while you're mourning, weeping, Grieving. But it's particularly important for those of us who believe Jesus taught us that on the earth we're going to have troubles, but that he has overcome the world and that we have an assurance of a life with him that will never end, a life that is eternal. And that while we may mourn on earth, when we reach those golden shores, we will never mourn. Again, these past few weeks have seen death's cold hand take from among us those whom we've loved. There's an emptiness and a pain that's forced upon the soul when we suffer such loss. It can seem at times to be a crushing weight, bearing us down as we try to go about our lives. Such loss can take our breath away. We turn to see our loved one behind us, maybe to say a familiar quip, and then the sharp reality of their passing sets in. To mourn is to bewail. It's to have such a sense of loss and pain that it brings you to weeping and to crying. And to these terrible moments, Jesus speaks. He not only is recognizing the loss of loved ones to natural causes, Jesus is looking forward and he did teach his disciples about persecution and that there would be lives lost due to extreme persecution. Into this reality he spoke. There's a blessing to those who mourn. During Advent this past year, he walked through a series called Expect Jesus, and this morning I would like to add to that expectation. Expect Jesus, expect Jesus in your grief, expect Jesus in your grief. If you turn to your Bibles to Psalm chapter 42, we'll read verse 1 through 8. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. There's a thirst for God in the heart of the soul that mourns. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember. I will remember you from the land of Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All of your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me a prayer to the God of my life. The Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night His song shall be with me. There's a unique comfort that comes from knowing Jesus in our heartache, in our mourning. There's the potential during those times in our lives where sorrow seems to rise up and overwhelm us. There is the potential for the Holy Spirit to help you breathe again, even in your pain and in your loss. There's the potential of realizing His presence in such a way as perhaps never realized before. And so, what can we learn from the passages of Scripture we've just read? Number one, we learn this, grieve, grieve. We must learn to allow ourselves to sorrow. There are many today who would rather not allow their emotions an outlet. Last year, we did a sermon. It might have been the year before. I forget now. We did a series called Emotion Commotion. And there are generations that would repress their emotions and not allow their emotions a healthy outlet. And then there are generations that say our emotions are a free-for-all, express it anywhere, everywhere, and both sides are incorrect. The emotions should be in control. They should be revealing things to us. And they are a gift from God. And the emotion of grief... Is a gift from God to allow you an outlet to express your pain and your sorrow. And so, number one, I want you to do this. If you're going through a heartache, maybe it is a, a loss of a loved one. Like I, I know that Seal is experiencing a loss of her husband. I you know that Charlotte Zeman just passed away, and some may be watching online even now. I want to encourage you to grieve, experience the sorrow. Give outlet to your pain. And then I want to challenge you to do this. Encourage yourself by looking within and asking the questions that the psalmist asked. Oh, my soul, why are you cast down within me? Hope in God. Hope in God. Cry out to the Lord. Bring your sorrow and your questions and your anxiety and your grief to him. Bring your mourning to the feet of Jesus. He understands you uniquely. In fact, Jesus came to earth so that we could know him in a human way. He suffered temptation and trial and loss. In fact, the Bible shows us Jesus leading us by example when it says Jesus wept. And so for those of us that are mourning today, for those of us that have suffered loss, for those of us that are in any kind of heartbreak, my challenge to you is to bring that grief to Jesus. He will grieve with you. He will grieve with you. If you're a believer today, know this, that the very grief, the very heartache, the pain in your chest that you are feeling from the loss. He is feeling intimately with you for the Holy Spirit dwells within you. There is no pain or sorrow or suffering that a believer feels that Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, does not intimately feel with you. And there is comfort in that. We come to the Lord, we bring our questions, our anxieties, and our sorrows to Him. In the book of Lamentations, chapter number 3, I want to take us to Lamentations, chapter number 3. Lamentations is an entire book in the Bible that is a lament. It is an expression of mourning. It is an expression of grieving. In the case of the nation that this book was written for, their loss was due to their own failing. Failing. But it can teach us whether we've suffered loss because of our own failings or we've suffered loss because of the natural course of life. It gives us an intimate look at the presence of God in the the circumstance of mourning. So we begin reading in verse number 22 of chapter number 3. Though the Lord's mercies through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because His compassions fail not they are new every morning great is your faithfulness the lord is my portion says my soul and here it is again therefore i hope in him my hope is in him in the midst of our grief and our mourning the danger of grief that is out of control is a grief that will spiral us deeper and deeper and deeper within and away from the presence of the Lord. Grief that is out of control, mourning that is out of control, will drive us away from the Lord and away from those that love us, and and it will drive us into a deep and dark depression. And this is the importance of grieving well. Grieving well takes your heart to Jesus. Grieving well, looks for hope in Jesus. Therefore, I hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Lamentations. Remind yourself, when we are in the midst of mourning, when we, when we are in the midst of broken heartedness, whatever the cause, remind yourself of the abiding presence of God and of His goodness and of His mercy. It's particularly important for those who have failed and are suffering heartbreak because of their own doing to remember the mercy of the Lord is new every single morning. Remind yourself of His abiding presence. And here we see another, another challenge. Wait. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Now, I've been through different types of heartache in my life, and, and I have yet to truly mourn over a loss of a loved one. But I know that one day... I will suffer that loss, and I will need to practice what I'm preaching here. I will have to wait on the Lord to see my loved ones again. But my loved ones know Jesus, and because they know Jesus, I know that there will be a happy reunion with them one day. I know that beyond doubt. I know that beyond doubt. There's comfort of hope for those who believe. Hope of seeing our loved ones again. Hope for life to begin again. Hope for the presence of Christ to accompany us. Accompany us in our grief. When our hearts are weeping, when our souls are breaking, wait on the Lord. Say to your soul, hope in the Lord. Remind yourself of his faithfulness, of his presence, even though you may not yet sense it. Be patient and wait for the presence of the Lord to overshadow you. He is there. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. We'll read verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and hear it, the God of all comfort. He comforts us In all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. When we are in the grieving process, I warned you a moment ago that the inclination is to spiral deeper and deeper and away from God and away from the things and the people of God. But here's the reality. When we grieve and when we mourn, there is comfort in others. In particular, as a believer, there is comfort in Jesus in one another. Jesus in one another, And this is, the, this is the trouble and the trial of our buildings not yet being open is that we need one another. We need one another, not only when we suffer loss of loved ones, but when we walk through life and we face heartaches and we face troubles and we face trials, the reality is we need Jesus in one another. We were not meant to live alone. We need Him. We need Him. There is comfort from our brothers and sisters who have gone before us, who have experienced the same loss and the same pain that we experience now. And this is the advantage of belonging to a local church and having a local family. The blessing of comfort that comes from the Spirit of God in us toward one another. The Scriptures replete with this challenge from Christ, love one another, love one another, love one another. So what do we learn from these passages? That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That is the suffering of loss of family and friends that is the suffering of heartache from circumstance and tragedy. I've spoken at length with Josh and April Wise who suffered such heartache and such tribulation and such trial as their twin boys uh, were born prematurely in twin-to-twin transfusion and they almost died and all the things that they suffered through and their longing and their heart's desire, and this is a biblical and godly thing, is to comfort others and to lead others to the comfort and the lessons that God has taught them. That's what we should do. When we suffer and we learn the presence of God and we, and we learn what he's teaching us, we are to take that comfort and bring it to others. That should be your heart's cry, Christian. Those of you that have gone through pain and come out on the other side Yes, there's a celebration that you made it and you arrived and you, and you, and you didn't give up and you, and you have, still have hope and your faith is intact. But listen, that's not the end of it. You're now supposed to take that comfort and bring it to others and to share the comfort that God has given you with others. Again, the beauty of belonging to a local church is that connection that you have with one another, even during this impossible time, church. Can I challenge you to comfort one another with phone calls, uh, video chats, text message, physical notes? In fact, you can go to another if you feel the need and keep a social distance, and still look at them in the face and love them well. If you've suffered the loss of a loved one consider reaching out to those who have recently lost their loved one and sharing the comfort that God has shared with you. You know, the Bible tells us this, weep, weep with those who weep. Weep with those who weep. It's not comforting to tell somebody, suck it up if they've lost a loved one. It's not comforting to try to give them all the answers. Sometimes, It's just coming alongside them and saying, I know how you feel. I know how you feel. God is with us weeping right now. Jesus wept. Weep with those who weep. Bring the comfort of your presence and the presence of the Spirit into the presence of those who have lost loved ones. Essentially, we're speaking of those who have lost, those who have experienced tragedy, Not because of their own doing. But there's another type of mourning, another type of mourning that I believe Jesus is alluding to here in the scriptures as well. And that is the mourning over our own sin. Church, we have been called into mourning, called to mourn over our own failings, over our own sin. In James chapter 4, verse 7 through 10, we we read these words. Therefore, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, You double-minded lament and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. This is so important to us and and I find that it's so poignant that the Apostle James is likening sin to the loss of a loved one. When we fall and when we fail, what happens is this. Our fellowship with our loved one, God, is severed. Our fellowship with God is severed when we're walking in sin. And that is what we are called to mourn over. And that is reality, Christian. That when we're walking in sin and we've turned our back on God and we're walking away from Him, that we are severing a fellowship with Him. The relationship cannot be severed. We're still the children of God. We're still citizens of heaven. We still have a home in heaven and hope assured for us. But the fellowship with God, the sensing of his presence is hindered, it's severed, it's broken, and needs to be restored. And that is what James is calling us to. Sin is not some light thing That has no impact on our lives, the lives of others, or our relationship with God, our fellowship with Him. In fact, it breaks us apart. And so I want to ask you to do this. Mourn over your sin. Mourn over the loss of that fellowship. And then this. Run, run, run to Jesus. Feel the hurt, feel the pain, and bring it to Him. I want to challenge you to look at what it says here. This is how the enemy gets me most of the time. If I fail and I fall, let me put in the word again, there is a severing of that fellowship. There is a a disturbance in the relationship that I have with my Father. A relationship I have with the filling and indwelling of the Holy Spirit, there is a disturbance there. There is a severing of the communication. There is a severing of the joy of the presence of the Lord when I'm walking in sin, when I have failed and fallen, I have not made it right. And this is what God says. Draw near to God. Look what it says in the very next phrase. And He will draw near to you. Draw near to God and He will will draw near to you the enemy he wants you to run away the enemy wants you to keep cringing away from the lord the enemy does not want you to mourn and weep over the loss he wants you to he wants you to stay in a in a self-pitying self-condemning self-flogging state instead of experiencing the grief over the loss of that fellowship. He wants you to stay there, stay away from Jesus. Instead of drawing near to God, He wants you to spiral away from God. And listen, in both cases, whether mourning over the loss of a loved one or whether mourning over a loss of your fellowship with God, we mourn, but in our mourning, we need to draw near to God. Oh my soul, why are you cast down? My hope is in the Lord. My hope is in the Lord. And he promises, this is an absolute, mark it down, promise that if you will draw near to God, he will draw near to you. It's written in the New Testament. It is for all of those who believe. If you will draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, confess your sin to the Lord. Determine in your heart that you will walk away from it. That's what he's talking about, being double-minded. To be single-minded is to have your mind singly focused on Christ and aligned with his will. What he calls good is good. What he calls evil is evil, and you walk with him. So that's the challenge this morning Sometimes we are called to mourning. Sometimes we are mourning because our circumstances call, it, call us to it. But in either, either case, allow him, allow him to comfort you. Allow him to comfort you. My heart goes out to you at this time, church. During times of loss, we're supposed to be with each other, hug and hold each other, love one another, and unfortunately, we're living in an age where that's frowned upon, and so if I could reach through the camera right now, I would hug those of you that are struggling, those of you that are suffering, and so take this as a virtual hug. God loves you. And even though you must suffer loss right now, have hope and wait patiently for the mercy of the Lord to fall upon you and the compassion of God to surround you. And you will breathe again. You will live again. You will have joy and you will have purpose. For those of you that have fallen and you've failed and you're just wondering, will it ever be the same? Yes, it can be. Draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, confess your sin, purify your heart, be single-minded in agreement with God. And as you draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. Whether you feel it or not, is irrelevant feelings will catch up to faith. And finally, if you're here this morning and you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there is no better decision you could make for your entire life than to place that life in the hands of Jesus. There's no better decision you could make than to approach God in humility and say, God, I am a sinner by birth and by choice and I recognize that Jesus died a perfect sinless man died on the cross for my sin and rose from the grace that if I will call upon you, I will be forgiven, I will be cleansed, I will be given a new life, I will become a child of you, I will become a citizen of heaven and the Holy Spirit will indwell me and God, Father, I call upon the name of Jesus, to be my personal savior. I offer him as a sacrifice for my sin as he willingly went to the cross to be. And I claim the gift of salvation for once and for all. In the name of Jesus, you should pray. I hope that you'll do that. If you do that, there's a place on Facebook at the top of our page, pinned to the top, that's connect with us. Hit that link and check the box that says you trusted Jesus today. Now, if you did it last year, not the case today. If you're on Church Online, there's a spot right there where it says, "I trusted Jesus as my Savior today." I hope that you'll share that with us—that once and for all decision to trust Christ and to have Him be the Savior of your eternal soul. That is the best thing that will ever happen to you. Matter of fact, one of our dear ladies here, she—I think—70 years old. It was a year before last that she started coming into our church, a guest of one of our members, and she used to sit in the front rows here. And uh, she said, this is the best thing that has ever happened to me in my entire life. And she lived, uh, and she's still living. And matter of fact, she's helping in our food pantry. She has lived a lot of life. But placing her faith in Jesus was the greatest thing that she has ever experienced. I hope that you'll do it. I hope you'll do it. Now, church, I, I made an announcement on, on Facebook uh, um, Friday or Saturday, and I understand that I was watching the conference where President Trump talked about churches being open right now and churches being essential. I couldn't agree with him more on the essential nature of church. And so stay tuned. We're hoping that our governor um, will recognize the comments made and will review the CDC document and we'll provide guidelines. Now, I understand there's a lot of arguing on Facebook going on right now about the constitutionality of what our government has done, and I get it, but whatever we want to, listen, whatever we do, we want to do well, and we want to do wisely. We want our community to have the proper perception of our church. We want them to understand that we care for them, We care for their well-being, at the same time, honoring God and His directives. And so pray for me, pray for the rest of your leadership, as we navigate this going forward, that we would do what would please God, and that the perception of our community would be, Emmanuel loves them well. Pray for us. It is a difficult, difficult time. I would challenge you that when you're online to esteem one another more highly than you esteem yourselves, to let your speech be with salt, always with grace, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. And those of you that are believers and you're watching online, may I also remind you that when we're commenting and we're having these discussions, in an open format such as social media, those in the world who are lost are watching our interactions. They're watching and they're observing whether or not we're acting from fear or whether we're acting from faith. They know whether we're acting from pride and arrogance or acting from humility and grace. Now, I believe our church has done incredibly well. Not only our leadership and our, and our church body here uh, as a manual, but also many of the comments and posts I've seen online I've seen flavored with salt and grace. Now I challenge you, keep it up. Do well. Be introspective. I have many comments and posts that I have prepared and then deleted. Listen, I have my own ideas of how things should have been handled and maybe should be handled going forward. But we need to have grace during this difficult, difficult time. So bless God, first and foremost. Bless others, and be the blessing. Stay tuned as we make decisions going forward as to when we open up the building and open up the property. I really just can't wait to look out into these seats and see more than Donna and Heather sitting here with me. I can't wait to see the rest of you. So, please, again, pray for us. This is an incredibly difficult time. It's a time where the leadership of our nation and the leadership of our churches have never really led through before. It's unprecedented in this current generation what has happened. And so give grace, give grace. That's all I have. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning, and I thank you for the opportunity that I have to bring your word to your people. And I pray for those who are struggling, Lord, with loss. I pray that you would comfort them in a way that they could, they could feel your presence, Lord, in a tangible way. Let them know that you weep with them, that you grieve with them, remind them as they as they struggle to look to Jesus, to look to you. Father, for those that have struggled with with, um, loss of their own making, sin has come in and stripped them of their joy and of their fellowship with you. I pray they would cleanse their hands and purify their hearts and that they would draw near to you, knowing that there is a promise that you will once again draw near to them. Lord, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. I pray that we would indeed be comforted by your presence in a way, perhaps, that we have never experienced before. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Hey, all Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, EmmanuelHooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address, again, is EmanuelHooksIt.com. Com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.